medical students at the University of Michigan walk out on a speaker because they are pro-life. Now, is this democracy in action or maybe even activism on steroids? Or more importantly, is it a signal of something going on in society that we need to pay attention to, especially when it's inflicting a portion of society that is one day going to be performing heart surgery on you? We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Well, I know you think that I'm going to say that today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans, but I'm going to tell you that we've got a brand new sponsor, a great sponsor, and that is Anchor. Anchor is your one-stop solution for all of your business needs. If you're an entrepreneur, especially if you're a small business owner, you need to protect your productivity. And one of the best ways to do that is to not bog yourself down with administrative tasks that you can parse out to other people. And the way to do that is by going to anchor.biz. That's A-N-C. C-U-R-B-I-Z. These guys will help you with bookkeeping, accounting, whatever your business needs may be. They can help you with it so that you can focus on making your business successful. So go to anchor.biz today to see how they can help your small business succeed. Welcome, Independent Thinkers. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe because after all, sharing is caring. So if you're truly a benevolent follower, you need to make sure that you like this content and then share it with your friends. Now, I just want to thank you for taking the time to watch the show today because if you are an independent thinker, you understand how important it is to stand against the rebellion. So if you're a secularist, let's just say that means sticking it to the man, or if you're a Christian like myself, that means staring the devil in the face and coming back with a W. But there is this misperception out there with free thinking or independent thinking and what that really means, that, that as though it were to free yourself from the confines of the wisdom of the past or traditions or the thinking of other people who have come before us. And we're going to see a headline today where dozens walk out of a University of Michigan white coat ceremony to protest anti-abortion keynote speaker. See, this is not free and independent thinking. The ability to stand up and the midst of a speech given at a ceremony simply because you disagree with the speaker. Now, you have the right certainly to do that, but that isn't what free and independent thought looks like. See, free and independent thought doesn't mean that you're free from the thinking of others or free from people who disagree with you. And it certainly doesn't mean, as we're going to see in the show today, free from the wisdom of the past or from the wisdom of those who have come before us. In fact, we need to adopt as many voices as we possibly can who are speaking the truth and allow them to come into our lives so that we can think for ourselves. See, thinking for ourselves doesn't mean just thinking our own thoughts. In fact, there's this secular idiom out there today that is inundating, as we'll see in our story today, uh, college campuses and so many other institutions, this secular idiom of to thine own self be true. In fact, you don't need to be true to yourself. You need to be true to the truth, and then you should adopt yourself to the truth. That's what free thinking actually is. So my truth, your truth, forget that stuff. We want the truth. And then we want to we wanna position our lives around and in that truth. That's what free thinking really actually is all about. So uh, I bring you to a group of medical students who 
have this misreception of what free thinking actually is. So let's jump into the story. Dozens of incoming medical students walked out of their University of Michigan white coat ceremony Sunday when the keynote speaker, a doctor with anti-abortion views, was introduced. Now I want to stop right there real quick and just tell you this. There's a key phrase you need to understand from this story. It is a speaker with pro-life views. Now, what you need to understand to truly understand the story is not that the speaker was speaking on pro-life. They were not giving a pro-life message. In fact, the speaker was giving a message about ethics in an age of machines, how it is important for doctors to have good bedside manner when it is so easy to let technology take that kind of personal touch away from doctors. So I can't think of a better, frankly, uh, message to give to students who are leaving the university about to become doctors than that message, a message about, uh, about ethics in, in medicine and making sure that we remember the patient in the midst of all of the technological tools that we need to learn and, and adapt to. Uh, so great message, but not a pro-life message of sorts, as much as it were a pro-morality or pro-ethical message. But simply because this person had pro-life views, the students walked out of the speech. Now, when we say pro-life views, as we dig into this story, you'll see what that means, but I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. It simply means they posted one thing on Twitter one time about abortion. That's it. And these students walked out on this person simply because of that. Now, I should mention this as well, because you need to know this for the context of the rest of what I'm going to read. This speaker was also asked to come and speak by the students. There were students who nominated this speaker and then they invited the speaker to come based upon the behest of students. And then a small, small quorum of students, a couple dozen of students, and you can see it in the video, walk out on this speaker. And here's that video. Good afternoon. I'm quite honored to have been chosen as this year's White Coat Ceremony Speaker. I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to everyone who's joining us for this special day. If it weren't troubling enough to see a bunch of medical students think that they were being moral by walking out on a speech like this rather than ignorant, it's, it's also interesting to see what they were actually objecting to. So this is cited in the article. So I can only assume that this is the only evidence that they have of this person being pro-life. Now, I'm not saying they aren't because they, they clearly are, but this is what caused the controversy, suffice to say. So here's the tweet. And it says this, holding on to a view of feminism where one fights for the rights of all women and girls, especially those who are the most vulnerable, I can't not lament the violence directed at my prenatal sisters in the act of abortion done in the name of of autonomy. So as you might suspect, this doctor is not some ultra MAGA Christian nationalist Christian, uh, you know, these labels that are being thrown around today to try to castigate people. She wasn't one of these. She's a, a feminist. She's an avowed feminist. So I would most likely kind of position her a little bit more to the left than to the center, suffice to say. But that tweet was enough to cause students to uproar, try to get her canceled before she came to the uh, to the university to do this white coat ceremony, and then for some students to walk out the moment that she got up to speak. The article goes on to say this. The petition that was signed to cancel Collier as a speaker said that her statements are antithetical to the tenets of reproductive justice. Now notice, not antithetical to the tenets of science or to the tenets of uh, human dignity and human life, but to the tenets of reproductive justice. 
as restrictions on abortion affect women of color, other marginalized women, and trans people disproportionately. Now, I just love that last part, right? Because trans people who are in the business of rejecting their whatever reproductive capacity that they have. So if they're a woman, they're going to become a man and then uh, obviously not going to be bearing children. So And, and then uh, the, obvi- the opposite. You, you get the point. But, but how does... How does abortion affect trans people disproportionately? You're going to have to square that that round peg for me somehow to make that make sense. But of course, we know the answer to this. This has nothing to do with justice and certainly nothing to do with reproduction. It simply has to do with, um, with, with abortion and the ability to be able to terminate life in the womb. And more importantly is it probably has to do with the fact that there is a group of young people who have become ideologically possessed with the talking points that predominantly come from the left and from the Democratic Party that say, if you stand in the way of an abortion, you are standing in the way of the rights of women without any regard to the rights of the baby. Now, because this is not abortion discussion. And if you want that, you can go to our last episode where we had a guest come in, Seth Gruber, absolutely fantastic. And we give some answers to so many of the kind of common uh, talking points about ectopic pregnancies and 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 rape and incest and that kind of stuff and, and what pro-lifers have to say in the midst of those kind of things um, to show that the pro-life stance is really the the pro-woman stance uh, as, as the speaker in this article um, said. So, so suffice to say, without going into a diatribe on, on pro-life, pro-choice, and all of those things, suffice to say, the real troubling thing here is that we have a group of medical students who are completely incapable of sitting through a monologue with a person who disagrees with them. I hope you'll agree, it's at least a little troubling that the smartest among us, those who have the lives of other people in their hands, and so the question comes to us then, why did these students respond this way? The medical community is supposed to be the wisest and brightest among us, or at least you hope they are, right? Because they are taking your future into their hands. So how come they can respond in a way that is so objectively stupid? Is it that our culture is getting dumber? I mean, if you ask our political class, they probably think so because they think they can get away with stuff like this. You want to see Joe Biden run for a second term? Yeah, I, you know. Uh, that's an easy question. That's not going to take long. Do you want to see Joe Biden? I don't, don't want to answer that question because we have not, that's not, yeah, I don't want to answer that question. Okay. Um, I mean, he's the president and he has the right to, to run for a second term. Absolutely. That's, but right but I don't want to, I don't, I don't want, I'd rather you not do that okay. answer. You got like two minutes to be in the car. Yeah, I know. I got to get to the, well, thanks very much. the other thing. Yeah, she's got another thing. Does she think we actually believe that excuse? Are you hitting the crack bank? But we all know what Cori Bush is saying here, don't we? We all know that she doesn't want Biden to run again. We all know that she would rather have the first place goat in the county fair run for president than to have Biden run again. But maybe she's right. Maybe there are people that sit at home and hear her and believe that she's okay with Biden running again or that she just made a cunning political move and not that she just ducked a question and was using whatever she had to go to as an excuse not to answer a question honestly. Maybe she's right. Maybe our people are more ignorant than then we should give them credit for. Even though there are still people who watch CNN and MSNBC and other mainstream news networks and believe that these people are not lying to you even though they've been caught red-handed time and time and time again, I still want to believe 
for the better. Because I've heard this all before. I've heard uh, about, especially because I'm a Christian, I've heard about the people in the Bible, how those old goat herders and sheep herders of the past, these ignorant, illiterate people, how they created this religion, and you foolish people believe it today. Well, that's some, that, that's some legit historical revisionism, because the reality is, is that the vast majority of people in those days spoke about three languages, and the modern average American speaks about half of a language. So not even speaking the, their own home language, uh, English, uh, but yet these people in the past, they were idiots, even though they spoke three different, very different languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, the vast majority of them, because they needed to just to get along in society. Not to mention people like Matthew was a tax collector, so obviously literate. Luke was a doctor, so obviously literate and educated. And then you, you go on to think about people in the past before we had technology and before we had computers, they had to memorize stories that were written down so that they could then copy them if they didn't have a copy of those stories. Oral tradition is the idea that you had to memorize whole portions of something so that it could be reproduced because we didn't have hard drives back then. The only hard drive we had was our brain. And there are Jews who are on record for remembering whole books of the Old Testament. In fact, you can look in the Babylonian Talmud and you can see there where Shammai has a conversation with, an, who's a rabbi, who has another conversation with someone. And they said, how many, how many Bibles do you have? And he said, I have two. I have one that's written and one that's remembered. So in other words, he was saying, I've basically remembered all of the Old Testament. So are these people of the past fools? I, I was going through the Biltmore, which is uh, Vanderbilt's mansion in Asheville, North Carolina, with my wife this past weekend because it was our anniversary. And I saw this quote from the architect who built the Biltmore. Now, you're thinking upper crust society, but this is, this is ages ago, right? This is in the early uh, 20th century when this place, and even before that, a little bit like 1890s, um, when, when this place was being built. And there were some supply shortages, and the head architect, uh, in response to these supply shortages, said this company that's supposed to be giving us these supplies, they, they lack shame and all other moral sensibilities. Like, this was what he was quoted as saying. Like, this is an architect. I mean, sure, educated, but but this is not even the language of architects today. I know many architects. They don't say these suppliers, they lack shame and all other moral sensibilities. Uh, this is not the way they talk. These people were educated because they actually took the time to read at night and to, and to do things like to study things uh, and not just watch Netflix and chill. So this, this idea of, of just stupid people, past, present, and, and future, I think is a little overwrought. But something is happening because what would possess medical students to act this illogical? And for that, I bring you to a Scientific American article that was written all the way back in 2017. So you can only imagine how much this has changed and become exacerbated over time. And the article says this. Extended adolescence when 25 is the new 18. It is a common grumble that children grow up too fast. No more. Teens are in no hurry to embrace the putative joys of adulthood. This article will go on to give a couple of different facts about how uh, adolescents are drinking, engaging in premarital sex, and even driving at much later rates than generations prior to them. You know, you think my generation, we could not wait to drive. Um, but now the, the generation that, uh, that we are seeing come up is now way less likely to engage in kind of the habits of past generations that were typically typified with adulthood. Now, as a Christian, let me first say, 
if we're prolonging premarital sex and we're keeping babies from having babies. That's certainly a good thing, right? Except for the fact that the reason people are prolonging these activities actually matters. If they were doing it for moral reasons, that would be one thing, but they're, they're actually doing it for a much different reason. And I, I'll let you read the article yourself. You can go down to our sources and you can see where this article has been linked. But suffice to say, um, I wanna just share one quote with you from a professor at the University of Columbia. And she's quoted as saying this in the article, quote, many child psychologists believe today's children seem to be idling in this hiatus period more so than ever before. Quote, I'm keenly aware of the shift as I often see adolescents presenting with some of the same complaints as college students, says Columbia University psychiatrist Merjana Damakanda. 25 is the new 18, and delayed adolescence is no longer a theory, but a reality. In some ways, we're all in a psychological moratorium, experimenting with a society where swipes constitute dating and likes are the equivalent of conversation. So rather than these medical students being foolish, stupid, ignorant, and just shutting down conversation because they refuse new information, I think what we're actually watching is a bunch of adults stick their fingers in their ears and go la 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 so they don't have to hear. I think what we're seeing is the phenomenon of prolonged adolescence. And the fact that it's crept into the medical community should be at least a little troubling to all of us. But just to prove this point a little bit more, the earmark of adolescence is things like the, the inability to know when you're wrong and to always think that you're right. Another clear sign of adolescence is that adolescents have kind of a tenuous relationship with reality. It's why they're way more prone to take risks and, at least my children, way more prone to believe that the toilet doesn't exist. They can just be little pea sprinklers and not even aim for the thing because they have a tenuous relationship with reality. These students also present the same kind of behavior. They've never actually had to answer hard questions or be confronted with anybody who disagrees with them. They've never really been shaken from their stupor to, to have to engage anything that, that may challenge their deeply held beliefs. But as a good parent, we must shake these kind of people to help them realize that your imaginary friend doesn't exist. Another mark of adolescence is that you only care about what you think and what you want. This is something that I have to help my kids with all the time. Now guys, share. Don't just steal and only care about what you want, but also share. But the truth is, is that adolescents are overly concerned with themselves. And yes, I just called my kids selfish, but only because all of us have the tendency to be so. And we have to make sure that we are doing the best that we can to annihilate those tendencies in us. But the truth is, is that adolescents only know what they like and what's important to them and they have little room in their life for anything else. But it's important for me as a parent to help my kids understand that they need to make room for things in their life that they don't know that they should like or that they should want. For instance, you can't always eat mac and cheese and butter noodles 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You gotta make room for some broccoli. Even though you don't think it's something that you need or something that you like, you need to take it in a little bit because it's healthy for you. And it's my job as a parent to make sure that these kids understand that whether you like it or not, you may need it. 
Another mark of adolescence is the almost blind ability to say no to something. See, I can put on some educational programming for my kids and they can shout boring or they can just shout no or they can do any number of things, throw themselves on the ground and pitch a fit because I didn't put on what they wanted. And the reason I resist that is because not only do I know what's better for them, but also because they don't know. See, they're just pitching a fit because they don't even know what they really like or what they really want. They just know that they want to resist something and they resist it just simply for the sake of saying no. And why do we act this way? Because we only know what we know, which is why it is so vitally important that we take in new information. For crying out loud, pre-med students, white coats, you guys barely understand what it means to be a functioning adult. You've yet to reproduce another generation, change poopy diapers, the vast majority of you at least haven't. And, and you've yet to actually marry somebody and really be committed to them for a long time through every single up and down sickness and in health. But yet you're ready to lecture the world on what we should believe, but yet you haven't even experienced the world. Sure, you future doctors at the University of Michigan, you've, you've studied late, you've pulled all-nighters, but the vast majority of you, you've never really experienced what sacrifice looks like. But you guys at the University of Michigan that walked out on this, this speaker, you have no idea what real sacrifice looks like. You've never stood for hours on end in the sweltering heat of Florida to take your kids on a Disney World ride. And heard them complain and cry the whole time while you're sacrificing all of their college money to do it? You haven't really experienced the pains of life yet. Finally, and most importantly, a mark of prolonged adolescence is an inability to listen to the counsel of those older than us. Or if you want to say it this way, the, the wisdom of the past. See, young people, they do what they've always done, and they do the same thing over and over again. See, we all have to understand, not just these doctors at the University of Michigan, that the shared wisdom of the past can infuse our present understanding. And we need the wisdom of the past or else we'll fall victim to things like what we're seeing right now. Because in just a short two weeks, we've overturned present consensus on multiple things. First of which, Alzheimer's, a, you, a universal study that was used largely to cure Alzheimer's or as an attempted cure for Alzheimer's and has been mostly ineffective has come out and proven to be completely fraudulent. And then we've also heard in the last couple of weeks that chemical imbalance in the brain is not actually the thing that causes mental illness in people. And that very often the drugs that were given to people that tried to fix this chemical imbalance were either the same as a placebo or had no effect at all. And then, of course, the FDA just released warning labels for puberty blockers that we've been told are just simply a pause on puberty. But now the FDA has had to come out and put warning labels on puberty blockers that say could cause blindness, among other things. The reason I bring up these studies is just simply this, is that you will become a prisoner of the moment if you do not listen to the shared wisdom of the past. So this is something not just for these University of Michigan students, but also for each and every one of us. We need to have and understanding that we all can be hijacked by ideology. It's, it can happen to all of us. We're all going to be hijacked by an idea. The question is this, is, is the idea that is presently animating you and motivating you worthy of the task of guiding you in this life? If you're not willing to listen to seasoned doctors who have come before you, and you're not willing to listen to people who disagree with you, then what you're doing is building up your ideology on a house of cards that will quickly be blown down. 
As a Christian, I say it this way. You need to make sure that the Bible is held far enough away from you so that it's not just you infusing your opinion on the Bible, but also far enough away so that everything in your life can fall behind it. Because you need everything that you do to be a reflection of what this book says. And I say this to all of us, whether you be Christian or not. Is what you believe worthy of the task? And is what you believe worthy of the task of leading you in this life? And the only way to do that is by adopting shared wisdom of the past. So, listen to it. All right, guys, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.